Oh my goodness, welcome back. Forced enthusiasm. Listening to this song. It's men seeking tomahawks, that's what that means. Dan, how are you, sir? I'm good. We're not in the same room this week. We were last week. This week we're back uh, back on the old remote, the remote recordings. Yeah, the pressure of being in a room with another person was just too much for me. I hightailed it out of there, back to my side of right. town. Let's just, let's just put it the, the yeah. honest way. I'm not ready to re-enter society. So. It's like when you're at the urinal and you're good until someone posts up at the urinal right next to you, and then suddenly you don't have to go to the bathroom anymore. It's kind of like that. Yeah. I stopped functioning. I just absolutely, the plumbing shuts down, and, and I just stare and wonder when when will the leap back home happen? So do you like just stare at the wall in front of you? Like could just be some old yeah. plaster wall or I mean, are you like <laughs> turn straight to the left and like staring him in the eye until he leaves? No, I don't. I don't do any any intimidation tactics. I do. I just stare, like you said, <laughs> blankly at plaster and just wonder where it all went wrong for me. That's that's my strategy. Strong strategy. But anyway, Dan, um. I think it's, uh, is this non-disclosure? Can I say that uh, you are not playing at 100% tonight? I guess since you mentioned that, yeah, I've got a little tummy trouble going on. So it's, um, you know, you mentioned forth- forced enthusiasm. Yes. Off the show. I don't think I have that. I think I'm going to do okay. Got some chicken noodle soup for my soul. And I think I can make it at least the next 45 minutes. Okay. <laughs> so start, gonna- the, start the stopwatch. As the Who once said, this will be a quick one, right? So uh, speaking of musical things, I guess I should just say, just go ahead and say what's on the show tonight, right? So the well-known British fantasy author, Terry Pratchett, asked that upon his death, whatever he was working on at the time be gathered up, put in the middle of the road, and run over with a steamroller. On today's program, we'll take a look at musical artists whose unreleased work is made public posthumously, whether the artist wanted it to be heard or not. Now, I wanted to discuss this because in recent years, my opinion of this topic, the posthumous release, has somewhat changed. Problem is, is that Dan and I are just former pro wrestlers. We don't really have a lot of... uh, in-depth knowledge or opinions on this that anyone would really want to hear. So we went ahead and uh, brought in a special guest. And man, I am, we just, every episode now is so special. It's like your children. You can't pick, you can't pick your favorite, but man, uh, maybe this is the the front runner in the room. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, back once again, uh, musician, Producer, all-around artistic genius, Mr. Tony Ferrero. Hello, Tony. Hello, hello. Men seeking tomahawks. Welcome yeah. back to the program. You're no, you're no stranger. People, you know, the listeners might be like, "Oh, you know, maybe that name sounds familiar. Maybe I haven't heard Tony on the show before." But you have. Yeah, we've been friends for a little while. Yeah. Oh yeah, we've interviewed Tony. But that, but Jack, you keep referring. Every episode, you refer to the episodes that are no longer live that you said like you said um whenever you die we're gonna put that vault in the middle of the street and just <laughs> let people run it over kind of like you referenced earlier that's what you've claimed about those those earlier episodes yeah um yeah so but so i think a lot of people maybe haven't heard from tony before but they have because of music right yeah absolutely yeah tony actually does our intro song and and outro song 
And uh, he actually typically does it live uh, in the corner of the studio. We don't usually let him talk. Uh, so this is a big, this is kind of like a promotion for Tony. <laughs> this so. is very nice. I, I did. I, I even showered for this. Thank you for letting me use the shower. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, we're taking it out of your paycheck. <laughs> but uh, Tony, Tony is uh, <laughs> Tony is uh, a uh, brilliant musician and fantastic friend of ours. And I twisted his arm and asked him if he would come on and talk about this uh, this topic because I felt like he would uh, he would know some insight that uh, most likely we would not. So, guys, that's what you have. We will look. see. Oh, uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, right. I. I'm, I might. We need to under guarantee and overperform. That's what we need to do. That's our uh, motto. I, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I did a little research. I'm really glad you asked me to do this. Like instead of what I was normally going to do, I wrote like 1,500 words, taking notes, doing research for this episode, and then um, came up with a couple characters along the way. And so you hitting me up yesterday. Uh, made my weekend pretty productive so far actually so i was just yeah. gonna tie off and not out on the couch wake up and <laughs> i'm sorry and there's still time for that sleep. okay yeah don't yeah, <laughs> yeah don't, don't undersell the chances of being able to still get that done you bet um, but jack i gotta ask i, I don't want to spoil any surprises but is there any kind of hologram talk because i know sometimes holograms go along with this Ooh, dan i think that's your contribution tonight let's just uh keep that on let's keep right. that on t- on tap Okay, so guys, let's, uh, play us play a long song for us then here. You you go there. Okay, absolutely. So guys, coming up next, we're gonna do a discussion, kind of a roundtable about uh, posthumous releases. But first, we have an, a musician who is very much alive. Uh, this is a uh, pre-punk band from Pennsylvania. This is the artist Creek Indigo with the song "Poster" right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks. Attention, attention, Saturday, August 21st. Come enjoy your rare opportunity to watch the Cleburne Railroaders with men seeking tomahawks. That's us. Jack and Dan will be hanging out with you at The Depot, home of the Cleburne Railroaders in stunning Cleburne, Texas. Come by our setup on the concourse before the game for your chance to walk away with my favorite free things. Hang out with us all night 
as your railroaders take on the hated Sioux City Explorers. Tickets are just 10 bucks, And again, that's August 21st, Cleburne, Texas. First pitch at 7.05. Don't be late. For more information, go to ilovetexasbaseball.com or menseekingtomahawks.com. Back to you, Jack. Thank you, Dan. Creek Indigo, before that uh, professional grade read there with the song Poster. It's a little bit of pre-punk from Pennsylvania. I thought it was good. I thought it was real good. I did too, but Dan, we're the lay people here. So we need to ask Tony, what did what did Tony think of Creek Indigo? Mm. I think they have a really cool name. And that song was really cool. It reminded me more of like uh, Joy Division, New Order, uh, but also had kind of the wavy um, guitar parts over everything, kind of being kind of dreamy. Yeah, it yeah. was kind of it's like good movie music. Like I definitely put that in something with someone running. Yeah. Ooh, a running stuff. scene. Well, yeah. if you'd like to hear more from Creek Indigo or from any musician, including Tony, you can go to menseekingtomahawks.com. So boys, let's talk about dead musicians a little bit here. As we are approaching the four-year anniversary of the untimely death of Mr. Tom Petty, he passed away back in October of 2017. This is not the first big music star of my youth that has recently passed. I don't know about you guys, but this list kind of throws me off when I try to compile it. We've lost the likes of George Michael. Prince is gone. Bill Withers no longer with us. Chris Cornell uh, the big one that I still don't like to talk about much. Uh, there's DMX. Just, yeah, absolutely. DMX. That was the big one, Dan. So all drug uh, overdoses was every one that you just mentioned a drug overdose. No, that's that's not that's not the case. The big one was cancer. Was the big C. And Bill Withers was I think heart failure. But yeah, lots of uh, there lots is of fentanyl going on. Yeah, there's something. Something sketchy going on there for sure. But, you know, this this list is long and, um, you know, Petty being a part of it, you know, that sucked. And it uh, it was definitely one among many. But it was the first time that I personally noticed something that I did not like just a few months after his passing. I mean, literally just really after the funeral, Tom Petty's estate released a single called Keep a Little Soul. It was recorded back in 1982. It was part of a huge box set of greatest hits and unreleased material. And the unreleased material in question spanned the decades of Petty's career. The question is, to me, did Petty ever have any intent of this music being heard? I don't know if you boys have listened to that single. It, it wasn't on the air much. Having listened to it myself, I can say that I don't think it was bad per se, but it didn't sound to me as if something that Tom Petty would have greenlighted as a single. Like you're saying it was left on the cutting room floor for a reason. Like if he wanted it out, he would have put it out decades ago because you said some of them span that far back. Correct. Yeah. This song specifically was from the year I was born. Uh, so, you know, this got that got me thinking when I heard that. You know, death has always been huge for musicians. Uh, typically, after an artist has passed, uh, they show up back on the charts. You know, so even if they aren't on the charts or haven't been for a long time, 
they pop back up, uh, sales go up, and inevitably there is some sort of new or unreleased content put out there, typically known as a posthumous release. So I'll go, I want to credit NPR for this. Um, this is where I found a, uh, an article kind of detailing the three types of posthumous releases. Uh, one of them they call warm to the touch. So these would be releases that come out shortly after the death of an artist. Um, but that, you know, basically it got made right before they passed, uh, the notorious B.I.G.'s uh, life after death is, is a good example of this. That's regarded as a classic. A couple of things that, that I thought were apropos, we've mentioned Otis Redding on the show before. So, you know, Otis Redding is a really interesting case study in this, right? Because he sung sitting on the dock of the bay and he didn't know what the last verse was. So he whistled. Then shortly thereafter, he uh, was in a, a fatal plane crash. And so they released that song. And that song is a classic. And, you know, that that second verse being whistling wasn't really ever the intent. It was just a, a space holder. But excellent song and probably would have been very different. Uh, you know, not maybe not as good even if he if he hadn't have whistled that second verse. It's really good whistling. It's amazing. Like... It's a great take for a placeholder. It's a solid, it's, you know, it's above demo quality. How fortuitous is that? <laughs> right? I think um, speaking of dead musicians and, and speaking of that particular song, I think Gloria Jones did a got fame or, you know, had a hit minor hit with the cover of that song. And she is um, she was became the wife of Mark Bolin and then was the driver when he passed you know they went out and partied and they drove on this crazy road and then she hit a tree and he died and she survived and wow. then his legacy there on was is kind of crazy if you look up mark bolin oh yeah there's a lot of releases a lot of home demo stuff i mean the guy recorded everything he did and was always just living that mm -hmm. particular life just being the fairy that he was you know like and there's just so much stuff. I wonder who was in charge of that. Was it his? Was it Gloria? Was it any certain? Because I noticed that some of the labels just seem like made up labels or just something that's a label just to release that. So I wonder if it's, you know, at the hands of his former lover, mother of his only son. Yeah. Well, that's a good question, Tony. And that's the thing that really kind of changed my perspective on these type of, of uh, releases was who who is putting this music out right. and and why another yeah. good another good example of this you know warm to the touch posthumous release would be black star uh, the yeah. the i'm gonna say his name damn it david bowie so like i hate talking about david bowie because i feel like i beat my friends and everyone talking i know about into mark the ground. instead man yeah i'll do that i'll do They're that connected <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah talk so about Iggy, uh, yeah talk about david bowie he rules yeah, he does. Well, his his posthumous release, Black Star, was intentional. Like he knew he was dying of cancer, yeah. And he put out an album basically saying goodbye, right? Yeah. So but it came out before purpose. he died, right? Y yes. Um. But but really, the intent there was to be a posthumous release. You know, if you listen to this the songs, 
it's really, it, it touches on his Buddhist beliefs. Um, you know, it talks about leaving and, and, and whatnot. So it's his Tibetan book of the dead. It's exactly. Uh, yeah. It's the Bowie book of the dead. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Pretty much. And, and so those are, those are the type of posthumous releases that I, I find to be, you know, positive, you know, not, mm-hmm. not really, you, know, you can't really take issue with those. Are there any other examples of that though, where, where it's like, okay, I'm making this, it's either going to come out right before I die or after I die, but it's going to come out. Like that's a big difference here is some of these other examples, especially like the Tom Petty one that you just said, those songs he purposely did not release ever. Right. And then his estate, whoever that might be released them later on. Whereas with David Bowie, like it was made with the intent to be released. So I think it's, there's like a clear kind of delineation there, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to like, you know, how you let off the show, like what would the right. artist actually want to happen? Tony, Tony, do you have any good examples? I have a couple that come to mind of warm to the touches. Yeah. Just things that like goodbye swan songs, maybe that kind that of were thing. made with intent. Yeah. Like, okay. So you mean that they were going to come out anyway? The yeah, death that, was that, not, uh, known. Um, yeah. Kind of songs, you know, basically goodbye, goodbye kind of albums. Oh, I mean, I think the fogies do it. Um, yeah. Didn't leave. Didn't um, John Prine do one called like so. the tree of life or something. That's yeah. very much a like, Hey, this I, I'm aware this will be my last record. I mean, some people retire mm-hmm. well before they die and do that. Um, examples of, I think of queen. I think of, Cash, uh, I think did it. Oh yeah. Made in heaven. Queen's made in made heaven. In heaven. Yeah. Exactly. That was all about, he knew he was passing of AIDS and yeah. uh, Freddie Mercury. And that whole album is a goodbye. His diary is interesting, you know, and the is fact it? that he sung it. Well, that's what I mean. Is the the songs are very yeah. personal. You know? They are. They're he's, they're he's pretty like, literal. Here is my soul. Yeah. Um. I think. Uh. Like every time that Spinal Tap released a new album, whoever the drummer was before that, you know, <laughs> they they missed out. You know, hopefully. They, did. they were living fast, you know, knowing they were going to probably explode because four drummers did it before them. Yeah. Well, you know, like one of the things where you answer the phone and they're like, hey, will you be our new drummer? And it's like, uh, OK. And then they just know. And so they make it their best performance. It's like when the Grim that, Reaper shows up yeah. at your door, you it's don't really have glorious. a choice but to go with him. It's a yeah. Well, that's a glorious way to die. Just accept it. You know, absolutely. More victorious than like just charging on. Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of one type of posthumous release. Another uh, category that they, that this NPR article brings up is the potpourri uh, release. And it's basically things that really aren't necessarily, you know, music, it's just something, right? So the, the example they give is an American prayer, which is a record that uh, Jim Morrison uh, is featured on reciting poetry over music by remaining members of the doors. So just not really, not really uh, a duck or a sheep. It's just kind of something that's there. And um, I don't feel great about that, but it's definitely not the, the main uh, type of, of one of these releases that I wanted to discuss. Um, and that being the, the ones in the category of the infinite vault. So this is the category that I think is, is truly problematic. So you've got performers like Jimi Hendrix or Tupac or Prince or Tom Petty, where you're talking about years of recordings, 
in a vault somewhere and how those recordings can be manipulated and put out there by the estate or by the label or whoever. And, and it really wasn't ever intended, you know, they're, they're not, they're not fully baked songs, you know, they're not fully realized projects. And one of the examples that I thought of, I don't know if you guys remember this, but when we were younger, I think ABC had a, had a series of Beatles documentaries on, and it was called the Beatles anthology. And they, they released it with a series of, of records and they were good. It was interesting stuff. I grew up on that stuff. I wore, I yeah. still wear those recordings out. I love the anthology uh, yeah. collection. I still, to this day, just, it's always on. It's, it's, it gets spun a few times a year for sure. Well, but like, when you hear the band feedback on like the, I remember the way that they sold that thing was that there was going to be brand new Beatles music. And the one song that they kept going to was the one free as a bird. Yeah. And it was fine to me. It was fine. And especially to my what 13 year old years, it was fine. But I remember hearing the feedback from the musicians that from, from Paul and from Ringo saying, you know, this was just kind of a demo. It was just kind of us messing around. It wasn't really a full song. And, and that's where between that and the whole petty thing, it's good for a John Lennon song. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. it's good in the Lennon uh, solo c- catalog. I think it's up yeah. there. I think it's on the list of less forgettable John songs. And then there was real love also. Right. 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 Which was the next produced by Jeff Lynn. Both of those. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Actually. Well, Sweet. they sound so cool. I mean, yeah, maybe they're not full songs, but I, I still think they sound cool. I think they stand up okay. It's just a nice thing to add to the collection, you know? See, okay, so, well, so Tony... things to do, but... Yeah. There's, the, music is littered with odd career choices. It's just... It's a move. You're artists. You, ha, you, you know, you don't want to be bored. You don't want to... Um, you want to sit still, you know? Yeah, but you but you said the word choice. And, and dead people don't necessarily have that choice. And so I think this is a good part for us to, to to break and go into the, the the next song and then maybe when we come back we can talk about that that's the issue I kind of really want to get at here is sometimes there's musical choices that are made that are weird but if you're a dead guy you're not really making any choices and and that's really where where I'd like to focus so so guys coming up next we're going to kind of dive deeper into that But first, we're going to listen to a little bit of ambient music from Duluth, Minnesota. Uh, This is the artist Whatever with the track Girl right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks.
whatever with the track girl it's a little bit of ambient music from duluth minnesota for you all right so when we last spoke we were kind of launching into this concept of mulling over the morality of posthumous releases and so tony i wanted to kind of turn to you and as you kind of brought up the concept of artist's choice and how my response to that was, well, if you're dead, you don't really have too much of a choice. So what say you, what are, what are your thoughts here on this situation? I think subconsciously one of the reasons people make music or art or write books or even keep a diary is to feel like, they're never going to die. Like it's their ticket to immortality. And so I think when it comes to choice, like in, in the case of Tom Petty, starting from the beginning, like he made a choice to be a songwriter and an artist and to go chase his dream. Um, and at that point, I think he made a choice that he's like, well, if I want money, I'm going to have to work for it. And if I want fame, I'm going to have to trade some things like privacy. It's the first thing that goes when you're famous and he got it. He wanted it. He, you know, had some bad business deals just to get on his feet and then um, handled them, I guess, to some degree in the 90s and, and um, won some stuff. Wore a big hat. And then, OK, so now we go to his death, right? I do not know what kind of deal he has. I don't know if it's Warner brothers. I don't know if it's some other label. I don't know if it's his family. I know he had a wife. I know he had an ex-wife and I know he has at least one daughter. And I think the daughter has her hands in his estate. So okay. I guess what I'm saying is more than anything, I defend whomever is in charge of putting this stuff out because it's nostalgic for people. I think that it's timely and People like uh, me, like musicians, they want to hear those bad songs. They want to hear them working it out. They want to hear those warts. Like maybe the general audience doesn't want to hear anything but the song they know. But I mean, there's a lot of great, deep music fans out there. But for me, I want to hear those bad songs. And I don't know if he didn't want it released. I don't know what his wishes were. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no one's told me what Tom Petty has said on the issue. I'm sure we could look up press release. It'll be nice and bland and not tell us anything. But right. if we did some digging, I bet we could find out some stuff. But my opinion is that he saw, he made the deal with the devil. And so he yeah. doesn't really have a choice. He was an artist. He did. He worked in studios that were paid for by the label. And then he went and worked it off and tried to recoup. And as that always goes, that same old story. But first, but up, whatever he signed record contracts, you know, like that you sign away some of your rights. And part yeah. of being famous is you don't have privacy anymore. And part of needing money means you got to work for it. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm with you though. I'm with you. Cause I know that uh, over my life, several artists have, have had these releases and I've enjoyed a lot of them. Um, and so as a fan, you know, as a layperson, I'm happy when I see that I can hear a little bit more, of an artist I like, or I can hear something that maybe they didn't necessarily want released. So I can maybe 
you know, put together their inner workings, like their, their, their thoughts on, um, on, you know, how their work process is. So it's kind of cool to get that kind of stuff. However, you know, and like a a good example would be like the Michael Jackson posthumous release, you know, that thing, uh, you know, Sony's had to come back and admit that they used, uh, Michael Jackson impersonators, uh, voice impersonators on some parts of it. And, you know, some of the producers like Will I Am had said, you know, it's disgusting. Right. And so, you know, why don't they it, just do a tribute record with people just singing like themselves? I, I agree. But to your point, like you said, you want to hear the, the 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 extra stuff. And I do, too, as a fan. Absolutely. The real fans do. They want to hear. Yes. Everything. There's plenty of completed. Yeah, but there's some balance there, right? There's got to, there's some, this is a valid conversation to have on, on the, the want of the fans versus the want of the label to earn a few extra bucks, you know, on the way out. Yeah, there's a million cases and it's, I think there's nothing simple whatsoever about the music business now or then, you know, um, yeah, there's only a million examples of the potpourri class and the warm to the touch class and the, um, bottomless vault you know um yeah i overall the when it comes to choice like if you're gonna pick a career in music then just make a will that day that's it just make a will and just put like hey uh my wife or my uh kids get this amount of money and here's who has control of my blah blah but if they're locked in a contract and they die during that contract i don't know what they can and cannot do even though they are dead they can do less than you know most but that's a good point and they're still an entity there's still a right. commodity there's still a product you know to an extent i yeah. don't care what level you're on semi-professional to professional you know yeah dan did you have you had a comment there yeah something that came that came to mind and it, it feels like it falls in the middle of several of these different classes or whatever you want to call them with something like with tupac i don't know if you remember this but they would actually like put his verses that he rapped originally over like different beats of his own, but they took just the lyrics and then put it over some brand new song as like, you know, such and such featuring Tupac. And it was like not the beat that he originally rapped over. It was just like extracted from that. And to me, that's like stretching it a whole other level of like, okay, you're not just saying, Hey, this was one of his songs in the cutting room floor that we're putting out. It's like, Hey, we're like tearing this thing apart and, uh, you know, whoring it out for as much as we can kind of selling it to the highest bidder who wants the Tupac track. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's, here's what they were probably doing is they, whoever did that and made, you know, like a new half-ass hit off a Tupac, uh, verse or bar whole song. Uh, did they license it out? You know, did they get rights to this, and then they're allowed to do that? I mean, I'm sure I mean they sampling, did it the right way. sampling is they like did it the right way. Yeah, every one of Tupac's original productions are some other producer's work. I don't know that Tupac was doing his beats. I think he was solely just a MC. You know, and so those are other people making the, his original music, and they're using samples. And I don't know if they're clearing all that. There probably are because it was at that giant level, and it was late enough in the sampling uh, wars for that stuff to be policed a little better. You know what I'm saying? Is like, it already was a Frankenstein. Everything is built off of something else. And so 
percept like from a fan's point of view i could see how someone would be upset about that that makes like, oh he didn't sense. even like that like, guy dude, and now he's featured on one of his like, verses because you know like in your heart as a fan you're like man tupac wouldn't have been down with this he wouldn't have liked this i don't think he would but we don't know because he's not with us you know but still yeah. as a fan you you like what you like you like what you know and you when you feel like people are disrespecting that it's horrible it's frustrating well, I guess also he... music is so borrowed all the time. It's right. all, every bit of it is borrowed and just made up from something else. Someone else made up and it's, we're just building, you know, in every which direction outer and inner. Uh, it's insane. It's vast. It's so vast. It's like, yeah. what are the, where do you, I don't know. I can't draw such hard and fast, like lines and rules over music stuff. Cause it's just art. And my, some of my favorite stuff is like, derivative or or it's obviously inspired by something else the best artists are trying to pay homage and man to see a, your favorite artist career get slip away from them and get in someone else's hands is just that's that's annoying right yeah <laughs> well and you bring that's up what i'm hearing great... is that what you're saying dan is that yeah i well i was yeah i was just saying like you know that to me goes even further because you know, to me, we we hear the finished product. Those of us who aren't in the business, those of us who aren't sitting behind the board, right? Uh, we hear the finished product, so we hear that finished product, and we're like, okay, you eat the sausage. Yeah, exactly. And we're like, okay, this verse, this is like a new song, a new like several years after he died. So we know this this like song, this beat wasn't around when he was around. So we know that when he wrapped the, this verse, it was to something else he had something else in mind or the producer that was putting it together had something else in mind so to me that's just almost taking it a, a, a different level um but but I, I definitely see where you're coming from and I, i'm you're kind of the coming at it with the you know cutthroat that's just business boys kind of thing and uh kind of it is for them jack seems like more of the like but that's not what the artist wanted i'm i'm tr i'm kind of the the super on the outside of the music thing just kind of uh taking it all in I say the bigger the artist, the less control they have. Hmm. Um, it's really not about them anymore. It's about what the label wants or what the PR people want or whomever you're paying to do your publicist, your team, your whatever. Like at that, at Tupac level, at Tom Petty level, stuff is arranged. There is stuff we will never know about. There are documents we will never see. Like speaking of posthumous releases, it's like declassified documents, uh, suicide notes wills <laughs> uh yeah. the bible um <laughs> like well and it's like jack said with the poetry reading that was like probably for it with jim morrison like obviously was meant for personal use right like he never intended that to come out guy wasn't a good poet his poetry wasn't good <laughs> don't only no one wants no i don't want to hear it no yeah doors were a good band jim morrison was not a prophet of any kind right Val Kilmer is more of a prophet than Jim Morrison is. Is is he not? Is he not? Yeah. I don't know. What was that, that movie? Yeah. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Top Secret. Top Secret. Batman. So many. What are we doing? Waters, powers. Derail. You bring up a good point though, <laughs> Tony. I think I think you're right in that, you know, from a pure artist in appreciation perspective, it's it's one thing and just worrying about people's legacy. And making sure it's, you know, upheld in the way that they might want it to be. That's one component. But you abs you're absolutely correct that legality and, you know, the stuff that's behind the scenes that we don't understand is money makes it so messy, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
And, and, you know, again, posthumous releases aren't all bad. You know, even if it is, you know, some of them are very cash grabby, but like, you know, we mentioned Buddy Holly story, Flintstones and Viva Rock Vegas. Uh, Absolutely. Wagons East. I mean, it just, (laughs) yeah, it goes on forever. You know, we mentioned Otis Redding (laughs) earlier and I want to also mention Robert Johnson, who was. Oh, yeah. The original is one of the. I was thinking like every classical composer stuff was like recorded and released posthumously. Was it not like. And right. any anyone who played or performed music up until recorded music, and then even then, it probably took sixty years for people to get the chance to record easily. Um, yeah. Ooh, the history of sound. You know, I don't. Not something I'm totally up on. Most musicians at this point in human history are all dead. I mean, it, really. I mean, it's kind of yeah. mind blowing. Trying to, th- I was trying to think today, just like what are all of the, what are all of the things that are po- that are posthumous that are just inherently posthumous mm-hmm. or as the brits would say posthumous you guys yeah. know this and they you know say the it better i mean it's it is yeah. it sounds nicer yeah less scary but i did find i thought it was interesting that uh, one of the story creators for king kong the original edgar wallace uh he died a year before the movie came out and it wasn't even like fully written uh it went into a few other guys' hands to get finished writing. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I think about King Kong a lot, you know? Well, it's, it's interesting. Like, I mean, bringing up movies it, and, and like what you said about building upon things. I mean, it, art is any, if anything is a distraction from mortality and to think about what people do to just keep the game going Keep that's the what ball we're bouncing. That's what we're really talking about here. It's sometimes the 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 in the the reasons for doing so are very pure. Uh, other times, they're a little bit more murky, right? But, oh, absolutely. Um, I'm not saying, yeah. I'm, but there's all kinds of shady stuff going on, man. And yeah, the stuff that's obvious. It's funny. The potpourri column is hilarious, and it's probably the longest column. Yeah. Uh, the infinite vault stuff's cool. You get some real greats in there, you know, and you got to think about like, what are going to be some, uh, uh, future posthumous releases, you know, like who do you, who do we have predictions for who's going to have the infinite vault? Who's going to get the potpourri treatment? Who's going to, uh, get the warm to the touch. Like who's going to just accidentally up and die. What genre (laughs) from your standpoint, Tony, what genre, like records the most songs that don't get put out. Like, is it hip hop just because they're like a lot of it's freestyle and it just gets in the can, in the can, in the can. I think a lot of the modern styles, anything that was created from the last 20 ish more, God, no 30 years, like whatever. Ever since there was like electronic music and hip hop, I think, yeah, music exploded. And then we've lived through an astronomical rise and just, just crazy and yeah i'd say probably hip-hop electronic music the stuff that's sitting on people's computers waiting to be heard yeah and i and ironically the top the top selling or top grossing hip-hop artists over the over the last two years were posthumous releases yeah so i mean that's uh, to that point what were those it was uh juice world and uh nipsey hustle um like how I put top grossing hip hop artist 2020 and the very first name that comes up is Elton John. So I'm oh, going yeah. to, 
go with Elton John? No, I'm, I'm really not. But <laughs> Dan, to your point, I think one of them was Juice World, and I don't remember what the other one was, but they were both uh, posthumous uh, releases. So kind of kind of ironic there. Well, cool. Well, all right, boys. Well, I think we're at a wrap point here. Unless we have any parting thoughts, I'll go ahead and do the outro. Dan, you're not going to bring up Tupac hologram? No, there's a lot of holograms, a lot of dead holograms. Why didn't you bring up dead holograms then? Like we were all waiting for. Because it doesn't really fit this. It's like post-hostimus, but it's not like. Post-hostimus is not a word. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm operating like I'm (laughs) fading fast here. I like that. Uh, But yeah, it's just, it's nothing to do with the music. Like it's their classic music. That's like played by, by holograms. Dan's dying. So I'll go ahead and do the outro. So Tony, I want to thank you for coming on. Is there anything that you'd like to plug today? Anything you need to listen to? Follow me on Twitter. Follow my, uh, follow Brenda Butwell on Twitter at Brenda Butwell. Uh, I also made a uh, podcast for Brenda. It's 10 second meditations. And I just make them whenever I feel like it. Let's be honest. That's all you need, right? 10 seconds is about all all it takes. Brenda Butwell. B-U-T-T-W-E-L-L. Brenda Butwell. All right. Well, that'll do it. Guys, this uh, this anti-mortem installment of Men Seeking Tomahawks has concluded. Thanks again to Tony Ferrero. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the program on your preferred podcast app. Become a tomahawk-seeking person by joining us over on social. And to hear more from the musicians featured on today's show, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. For Dan, I'm Jack. For Jack, I'm Dan. Happy birthday, Barry Sanders. Feel better, Danny. Enter promo code A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P Q R S T U V W X Y Z for a special discount. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>